You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I wanted to look into the Mets' top prospects on the big league roster and also those in AAA and break down their path to playing time in the first segment with Brett Beatty, are the Mets doing right by him? Will he continue to play about every day? And is that uh, enough playing time? Should Escobar get any time at third base? We'll get into that in the second segment. The bigger question, Francisco Alvarez, is this hurting his development by having him in a timeshare split with Tomas Nito? Then we're going to close the show with Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Fientos. What can they do outside of already hitting great to push their way onto the Mets roster We'll cover it all. Before we do, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor, and where I am writing an article titled, The Mets Should Stop Wasting Time and Play the Kids. And that's what we're going to discuss on the show today. And really, I wanted to take a moment, while there's an off day, to look at each player, look at each case, and see what the best course of action is for each of these prospects. Because we're seeing two get a a lot of time right now. Brett Beatty almost out there every day. Francisco Alvarez has been up now for, we're getting close to a 20-game sample. Now he's playing about half the time, but we're starting to see him get acclimated to the major leagues, which is great. And these are the two guys that can probably most affect the Mets this season. They, They have an opportunity with, you know, those being some of the weaker positions on the Mets roster, third base and catcher coming into the year, to really elevate the ceiling of this roster. The question is, what is the best circumstance for them to succeed? So we open with the obvious one, which is Brett Beatty, because Francisco Alvarez is a complicated and delicate situation that I personally don't feel like has been managed properly, but a lot needs to be unpacked there. Third base, we don't really got to unpack anything. Okay, he should have been handed the keys after spring training, the Mets said, all right, start and triple, whatever. He hit 400, 500 on base percentage, 886 slugging. It was unbelievable. Dealt with a little thumb injury, but got through it and kept raking outside of it. And the Mets just said, look, we we can't hold them back anymore. He's clearly the best option to start at third base. We gave Eduardo Escobar the benefit of the doubt to start the season with the position. And even Escobar, at a certain point, is like, you got to start the kid, man. He's better than me. I mean, that that's... He's all but said that, right? So that's clear. And if you look at the playing time so far, I got no gripes with what they've done with Brett Beatty, which is funny because two weeks ago, I was on my soapbox about it. But guess what? He's come up, he's played. Okay, that's the thing. Since being promoted, Brett Beatty has started six of seven games. The only game he didn't start, the Mets liked the matchup of Eduardo Escobar against Sean Manaya. Throw him out there, he hit a home run, two-run shot. So it was a good game for Escobar in this limited role. There is a world where those two guys coexist, where you you have Beatty sit on the bench sometimes against a tough lefty, or even just the lefty that Escobar profiles better against, 
And you give him a blow, too, because that's the thing. The Mets don't really give a lot of guys everyday run. It's Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil has gotten to that point, although there was times last year where Jeff was on the bench. And Brandon Nemo has gotten to that point mostly, although even then, you give him his days. A guy like Starling Marte is always having some nagging things right now. It's a neck. He gets his blows. Mark Hanna gets his blows. So there's nothing wrong with... Brett Beatty starting six to seven games. If you tell me right now for the remainder of the season, Brett Beatty continues to start six of every seven, I'm fine. Granted, at some point in his career, he should play well enough and hit against righties and lefties to fall into that category of Alonzo and Lindor where you can play him 160 games. But I'm not mad if he plays, I guess because he missed the beginning of the season. Let's just say he ends up with 115 to 120 games played because he missed like a 15 game chunk at the beginning and maybe he gets some time throughout right that's fine with me so I got no issues at all with with Brett Beatty and also I will say the hits haven't fallen yet the floodgates haven't opened but his at-bats have been good he's gotten a hit but in all but one of his starts he's gotten a hit in each of the last three gotten a couple clutch knocks yes he's striking out a little bit more than you would like but I'm not concerned at all. It's not like Francisco Alvarez in the box right now where there's times where he looks overmatched. Brett Beatty, to me, hasn't looked overmatched. And other teams are fearing him as well. I mean, the Dodgers, one of the smartest run organizations in baseball, are grabbing tough lefties to face him at the end of the game. Because they don't want Brett Beatty, the rookie, to face a righty late. That's a sign of respect. And now he gets a homestand, his first For the Mets this season, where he gets to play in front of a crowd that's ready to fall in love with him. And he also gets two great matchups in the upcoming series. Josiah Gray, that should be barbecue chicken for Brett Beatty. Trevor Williams is another guy I think Beatty profiles profiles really good against. Uh, You know, even Mackenzie Gore, that's the one that you think he's not going to play in. So that we can start to see how the Mets will map out his series. And if he's missing a middle game against a lefty in Gore who's been unbelievable this year, but he starts in the first and third game and then he plays all three games against the Braves this weekend, I'm perfectly happy with that. And there you go. You know, Maybe because they're only playing six games this week, maybe it's five of six. Maybe he gets to start against Gore. And I haven't looked ahead yet if the Mets face a lefty against the Braves. Maybe there's one blow he gets there. But I like to see him starting against some lefties and... We'll see how that continues to shape up. But overall, I think for Brett Beatty, he's been put in a good position. And I think he's going to be in a great position to really start to hit because the guy just doesn't have a lot of flaws in his game. His approach is really good. Uh, So I'm not worried about him at all. But when we look at Francisco Alvarez, I have a lot of concerns. I'm concerned about what we've seen from him so far, but I'm also concerned about the lack of playing time he's gotten because you want him to be able to play through his mistakes if he's here because the upside, as we saw with the home run on Sunday, is still absolutely there, especially when the bar that he has to climb isn't very great. We're going to get all into Francisco Alvarez's situation just a minute. Before we do, though, this show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. Personally, I've been in therapy throughout my life. It's a great way to talk to somebody that's not 
you know, your mom or your dad, someone that you can just completely not worry about their feelings and just focus on yourself and look inward and have someone to bounce ideas off of. It really has been instrumental for me and better help is a great way to connect you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnMLB. Right now, the New York Mets are going with a time split at the catcher position, which is not shocking. They did that all last year. James McCann, Tomas Nito. They were split in playing time a lot of times 50-50 because both of them were good defensively. Neither one of them gave much of an upgrade with the bat. This year, supposed to be a straight platoon. We liked it. Nervaez, Nito. Nito starts against left-handed pitching. Also, it seemed like he found some rapport with Kodai Senga, and so maybe he was going to be catching those games no matter what. Plus, facing off against all the lefties, Nervaez against all the righties. Nervaez gets hurt. Now, Alvarez is called up. And despite the fact that you have one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball, who offensively is a way better option than anything the Mets have had at that position for a very long time, they're still going with the 50-50 time split. Now, I do not fall to the side of completely begrudging the Mets because I do not believe that Francisco Alvarez should be in the big leagues right now based on his own development. As a catcher so far, it's actually been better than we could have expected. Here's the funny thing. Francisco Alvarez's glove has had to catch up to his bat all of this time. His bat just keeps on hitting onto promotion after promotion through the minor leagues, and his glove has to catch up. Now it feels like the glove is the reason he's in the show, and the bat has to catch up. And this is the funny thing, because it was always supposed to be, hey, when he's here, he's going to hit, but will he catch? Guess what? He's grading out as an above-average pitch framer. He's looked fine. He caught the best start of the season. Joey Lucchese, nine strikeouts, shutout. That was Alvarez behind the dish. So he's fine on that front. Here's where he's been struggling. It's with the bat. He's hitting 148. He has five more strikeouts than hits. Nine strikeouts, four hits. Four for 27. It has not been good for Alvarez up to this point. And we've seen the issues. He's chasing too much. He's swinging early and often. He has a clear you know, blue zone at the top of the zone where pitchers can pound it and, and he can either chase pitches out of the zone or not catch up. He's struggling. And, and I understand that he has not hit himself into more at-bats. Then at the same time, you see him go up against Rodgers on Sunday, a guy who has not given up a home run against a right-handed batter outside of Manny Machado in the past you know, season since the start of 2022. A guy who has a low arm angle that's very difficult to pick up. A guy who was 12 strikes, no balls, early in that game against the Mets, just carving them. About to work through two scoreless. He takes a slider that, you know, I'm sure Rogers saw the scouting report said, oh, he's going to chase anything up in the zone. So he throws a slider at his head. But guess what? Alvarez able to identify that pitch. It was... A place where he could get his bear out on top of it somehow. 
and he's able to clear the fence. And that right there shows you why Francisco Alvarez should be in the starting lineup at least like a 75% clip with Nito as the clear backup. At this point, I would just have Nito catch Sanga starts. And here's why. If you're going to reach your potential this season, Francisco Alvarez is your best bet to get there. And the only way he's going to learn how to hit at the major league level is to hit at the major league level. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty, but guess what? Tomas Nito hit three home runs and 313 plate appearances last year. Give Alvarez 313 plate appearances anywhere, he's probably running into at least 10. So as much as you might be able to say marginally, maybe Tomas Nito hits 200 and Alvarez hits 150 over the next two weeks. Those couple hits might be home runs. And the more he sees, the more he's going to acclimate. And who knows, maybe you get a stretch in a couple of weeks with Francisco Alvarez with some playing time under his belt where he becomes the guy that in the minor leagues can carry a freaking lineup from the catcher spot. To me, there's too much upside to not bank on. I love Nito as a backup catcher. I do. But I don't think that you should have someone as promising as Alvarez on the MLB roster and turn him into a backup. Because if that's the case... And you know what? Find me any good defensive catcher in baseball. You can trade cash considerations or anything to find some guy who can be a backup catcher and just start Nito every day at that point. Nito's going to hit better too, for that matter, if he's getting to play more often. And you have the great defensive catcher behind the dish and you put Alvarez back in AAA where he probably belongs, to be fair, where he can continue to learn and develop. Well, this is a guy that's talented enough to learn on the fly and, and be trial by fire and be, as Arm Layton said on this show, uh, I think it was a week ago at this point, two weeks ago, when discussing the top prospects on the Mets system, that Alvarez can be Mike Zanino right now. And we're talking about the Zanino with the Rays that might have hit a buck 90 but hit 30 bombs. Okay, he can run into home runs. Put him out there with Josiah Gray. And let's see Josiah Gray miss that spot where he's supposed to throw it high to Alvarez and he gets middle-middle. And Alvarez is going to take that ball, put it in the seats in front of a sold-out crowd or, you know, I guess we'll see how many people show it to Mets Nationals. 20,000 Mets fans. Uh, and it'll put on a show for you that Nito might not. Nito might take that exact same pitch and, and put it on the warning track. So I, I think they got to be considering playing Alvarez a little bit more since he's here. Um... Otherwise, like I said, make an adjustment. But there's also two more prospects who are playing so well in AAA. The Mets have to really figure out how they can work these guys onto the roster with the veterans they already have. That could lead to some change of positions, as we're finding with Ronnie Mauricio. And that could lead to maybe a tough cut from a veteran at some point. We're going to get to all that in just a minute before we do. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards such as a VIP experience with MLB player tickets, so much more, plus the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and, and accessing next-level competitions where you can get those better rewards. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com, to draft your team of free player cards, set up your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. 
Now, the New York Mets have two top prospects in AAA that are currently on an absolute tear, okay? You start with Mark Vientos, and I feel horrible for him because if he was on the Pirates, you know, Mark Vientos would get the opportunity to play every single day and you know be the DH, and he'd be running into home runs. He could be one of these rookie sensations. Oh, a sneaky rookie of the year pick. He has proven everything he needs to with the bat. He's the guy that finished 2021 in triple, spent over 100 games in triple last year, and had a cup of coffee in the show. Had a great spring, and then you look at what he's done this season. I mean, he is hitting 368, 455 on base percentage, 706 luck. He's hitting righties and lefties. He has six home runs, a 191 WRC plus that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So he's 91% better than your average hitter in that AAA league. And he's also posting the best walk rate of his career since rookie ball at 12.3%. And he's cut his strikeouts down to 24.7 when it was around 99, or 99, geez, 29 last year. Got carried away with myself. He struck out 99% of the time. Sometimes the tongue gets twisted. Anyway, look, Mark Vientos is on a different planet right now offensively, as is Ryan Mauricio, which we'll get to in a minute. But there's just no clear viable path to playing time. And so you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Because in some respects, he's probably better than Eduardo Escobar. Actually, not probably. He is better than Eduardo Escobar right now. But him coming up and playing one out of every seven games because Brett Beatty's playing six, that's not going to get you anywhere. And defensively, you still can't really trust him at third. So then what's he doing? Is he in that Tommy Pham role? Well, Tommy Pham has played pretty good. Do you just cut Daniel Vogel back to clear up the everyday DH spot for Vientos? There's part of me that would love that, but Vogelback is getting on base at a 423 clip. His weighted runs created plus at the big league level is 142 since coming to the Mets, 42% better than your league average hitter. You're getting well above average at bats from Vogelback, who's walking damn near 20% of the time. Now he's not slugging, and I can make the argument that, you know, Mark Vientos going up and hitting a home run every now and then would be a better option. I can't say that Vientos is going to take that 12% walk rate in triple and do that at the big league level. So if he's walking at an 8% clip with the Mets instead of a 12% clip, all of a sudden you're getting less production than you are right now. And, and that's a you, you also, let's just say you do make that move on Vogelback. And then God forbid something happens to Pete Alonso. Well, now you just got thinner on a 40-man roster to try to get this prospect up. So that's where it's really difficult with Mark Vientos. And we'll see when they decide to make a move. Because it probably would then actually, in my opinion, it's more likely it'd be Escobar or Fam or a trade of Vogelback. Let's just say you can get something you really want for Vogelback. Maybe you make that move. But I just don't know. I don't know if the Mets really would pull that trigger. And I still don't think they'll pull that trigger early. I think they're basically waiting for an injury. And if Vogie goes down, if Alonzo goes down, if one of the outfielders goes down and you kind of mix things up with him getting some time at DH and maybe sticking him in left field for a little bit. There's ways the Mets might be able to get fans in the lineup, but here's the issue. It's the lack of position. So I say injury has to open up playing time for him, but it's got to be a really specific injury. It's got to be first base, third base, maybe a corner, and you're probably sacrificing something defensively where I don't even know how much he gets out there. Ryan Mauricio is a different case. 
Ronnie Mauricio is hitting the cover off the ball, and he's about to get positional flexibility, which is where he becomes a really interesting piece for the Mets this year. We know what he's doing in the minors. Hitting 350, 395 on base, 688 slug. He, too, has six home runs. He has a 170 winner runs created plus. Not walking a ton, but he's not striking out a ton either, and he is hitting the piss out of the ball, right? What did I tell you about Ronnie Mauricio from the beginning? I've been saying it probably since last year, but certainly all offseason. When we see Ronnie Mauricio move around, that's when the Mets are considering him a part of their future and potentially a part of this team. If they kept him strictly shortstop all year, that's a trade chip. I think a couple of things have happened that have now allowed the Mets to decide to move him around. First, he's proven that he can play shortstop. So if the Mets do trade him at some point, I think that other teams have now seen enough tape of him to know he can handle that position. And even adding versatility now, I I, I think he's done enough defensively where it's only going to add to his value. Whereas, you know, I I don't think that moving him off, and they're still going to play him shortstop a good amount of the time. But to move him off for a couple of days a week to, to get him some taste of some other positions, to get him comfortable with playing around, that's only going to help him potentially be able to play on this team this year. Because guess what? Starling Marte a little banged up. Guess who they like in right field more than anybody else on the 40-man roster outside of Starling Marte? It's not Brandon Emmo. It's not Mark Canna. It's not Tommy Pham. It's Jeff McNeil. They like Jeff McNeil in the outfield, and that's why I don't think it's shocking at all that Ryan Mauricio's first position off shortstop is second base because I think they know that Brett Bate is going to hold down third. And also, Mauricio did get a little taste of third in the Winter League. And I think he profiles as a guy that can play third base pretty well based on already playing on that side of the infield. I think he'd pick that up quicker if, let's just say, Beatty was struggling and they had to go to the Mauricio option or if Beatty got hurt. I think they feel like they could throw him into the fire there and be a little more prepared. Second base, they want him to have some time playing on that side of the back. And if he can prove he can play that position well, well, now that opens up a world of possibilities that Vientos couldn't possibly have. Because either McNeil goes down, or any of your three outfielders and you're shifting McNeil into the outfield. And Mauricio could be the guy you call over a Vientos. They're even going to get him a little time at first, a little time at third. So now you're basically saying, oh yeah, also, by the way, I would hate to ever say anything about Lindor, but you know that the best option probably on the 40 to be starting every day outside of Lindor right now is Mauricio anyway. Man, the entire diamond opens up for him. So as much as I thought that Mauricio was going to spend the year in triple, now that they've already gone to moving him into a super utility role, I think there is actually suddenly a good opportunity for Mauricio to play this year. He's got to keep hitting, and he's got to prove that he can do it. But if he looks halfway decent at these other positions, he's a way more flexible piece to add to this roster and say, all right, we'll find some time for him than trying to find time for Vientos at really just DH or first. So we'll see who ends up coming up first and who plays a bigger role throughout the season. But um, that's going to be all for today's show. We'll be discussing uh, the first game of that series on tomorrow's show for all you everydayers. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets.